if you have hope, there's always a chance that things will get better. So art, because it's such a pure way of expressing ourselves, whether it's through music or dance or visual art, it's a way to connect to that imaginative power that's out there. Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality. For each week, listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome to La Bufana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory. And today we have a really special guest. His name is Daniel Cascardo. He is a Detroit-based visual artist who creates abstract paintings that combine elements from primitive cultures with a little Euro sophistication. His work has been described as Bovist, bright, cubist, geometric. That's that's a, that's a mouthful for me. Hard to say even. Did I say that right? With a joy and vibrancy that creates a playground for the senses. And we all, I'm like, give me a playground for the senses anytime. So welcome, uh, Daniel, to Lava Fun's Table. I'm so happy I, to have you here. I'm so happy to be here, finally. <laughs> yeah. I would love to just hear, just tell me a little bit of your story and how you sure. got into the work that you're in and how you share your gifts to make the world sure. a beautiful place. Well, it's been a long, I would say, what do they call it? It's not a work thing. It's more like a vocation, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I say it's a vocation because kind of similar to people in the religious, they don't do it because of the money. They do it because they have a gift that they want to share with somebody. And I think that's the drive that I have behind my artistic career going past 30 years now. You know, it started off like anything. I was trying to find my calling and my purpose. And I was always attracted to the arts and business. And I started off in uh, the commercial world and advertising, and I did not like it at all. (laughs) It was just... (laughs) Way too competitive and and crazy and cutthroat and and I'm here in Detroit, so majority of the advertising world was uh, centered around automotive. So I did that for a few years, and then I decided I just uh, wanted to venture out and be more creative. And I had a interest in animation, so I moved to Chicago and I got a job in an animation studio, which I absolutely loved. And- It was traditional stuff. The computer was there, but not really used uh, in animation at the time. So we were doing stop motion, playmation, and and cell animation, hand-drawn and handmade. And we made puppets and armatures. And that's (laughs) I'm very interested in La Bafana and how she came about. Um, So it was in good space there. Well, unfortunately, the industry did change and it did become all computerized. So mm-hmm. unless you had one of these mega computers, you pretty much were out of business. And even Disney was laying off and uh, people in the animation world were looking for work. So I had a studio in Chicago that I decided that, you know what, I love my style of work. I've always been doing kind of the same look, 
colorful, happy playground for the senses. Yeah. Um, so I decided to um, open my own studio where I was doing character animation and character development, background scenery, that kind of thing. And it just pretty much led to me doing my fine art work, painting, sculpture, prints. And I've had some really great jobs that it was, you know, along the way, what sustained me is working with children and teaching. So uh, every time I didn't have a gig, I would teach a workshop and that would keep me, you know, keep the rent paid and keep the bills paid. So I've been doing that pretty much the the whole time, not as a full-time teacher, but more as a workshop and working for the Children's Museum in Chicago and different art centers, uh, Evanston Art Center and Hyde Park Art Center. Um, And then I got married in Detroit or in Chicago or while I was in Chicago, I moved to Detroit after we had our first daughter who was born in Chicago. And then things became real, you know, you, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't play around anymore. And, no, no uh, more messing around. <laughs> no more messing around. Like, okay. Wait, um, who's the adult over here? You exactly. I never wanted to be the adult and I, I still don't. <laughs> um, I have a very lovely wife and she was uh, instrumental in keeping every everybody moving along. She's a physical therapist and, um, you know, a real job, which people yeah. need because everybody gets hurt and things happen to your body, especially as you get older. So we had that consistency. But I, again, I started working in Detroit and I worked for an organization called VSA Arts of Michigan, which worked with uh, kids and adults with disabilities. So mm. they were great. Uh, I didn't have to have a degree in psychology or any uh, like working with kids. They wanted working artists. So that's what I was. And I was working with them. And um, so that kept me kind of the income flowing. They paid really well. It's very difficult to work with emotionally, highly emotionally impaired uh, kids and physically impaired. But I learned a lot from them. It was a huge lesson. So, so you know, I was challenged with teaching blind student how to do visual art. So how does that happen? You know, (laughs) and uh, so you have to be creative and you have to look at texture and sound and feel, you know, things that you can touch. Mm. So that really expanded my um, kind of my understanding of how important art is and and how it could help people in so many different levels and working in that organization. Um, Unfortunately, that that organization lost its funding. So it initially was funded by uh, Special Olympics, the Kennedy Foundation way back when. Special Olympics still thrives and they're funded, but the VSA Arts lost its funding. So in its heyday, I would go into a school with other artists, uh, dance, drama, music, and visual arts. And we would teach curriculum using our discipline. So... Just for an example, if we were teaching the ABCs, I would come up with the visual for the ABCs. Like, let's see, I would create like A would be Apple and B would be Bumblebee and C would be Cat. And so I would create these images of it. And then the dance instructor would do a dance Mm. that coordinated with those images. And then the music person would put music to it. And then they do a little play in the drama. It was fantastic. And the kids regardless of their disabilities or not, would learn so much more with that kind of holistic, holistic environment. And I don't know why they don't teach school like that. I mean, it was so impactful. Uh, and I would have loved that as a, as a student. 
uh, you know, when I was growing up, if we taught math, math with the visual drama music, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so it was very effective and I learned a lot. So during that process, even though the funding was cut, I worked with autistic kids and most of the times they would do individual projects. So I wanted them to be engaged as a community, as a group in these yeah. projects. So I just created these interactive murals, which um, started off with a piece of paper and just drawing random images on the paper. I would invite the kids to add, just color them, color them with paint or markers. And they enjoyed it so much. They would, so now they're working side by side, some of them barely able to hold a pencil or, or mm. a paintbrush. And they were able to create these pieces. So they were very proud of them. Well, I took that concept out into the world and I talked to other nonprofit organizations and I offered them this interactive art uh, process that I call the Art Action Experience. And they loved it. So I was doing them all for nothing uh, initially, just to see how the process would work and if it was, was a feasible concept and stuff. And and it worked. And people were like, oh, we can do this every week. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to think about how I'm going to sustain the process. So I started to charge and I was working with corporations and team building type thing and schools and and a lot of the nonprofits, they would do it at their events. So if they were doing like something for the American Heart Association, they would do their event and have an interactive piece that they would auction off or they would uh, use it in their, their corporate headquarters or mm -hmm. one of the locations. If it's a homeless shelter, I would work right. with the homeless people and they would create something that would end up in the shelter and they would make prints of it. So it became, this was about maybe 20 years ago that I started to really pick up with doing these interactive art pieces and I'm still doing them. So I've been very fortunate and blessed to be able to do it. During COVID, everything absolutely shut down <laughs> and nobody was getting together. So I was, I was really scrambling and trying to do it virtually. We did something with the American um, Disabilities Organization, AMA, and it was okay. It was like, okay, we didn't have the energy of people together, you know, mm. so I had to send out the image. They worked on it, sent it back, and then I pieced it together. And it was mm. kind of like a collage of, of different things. And it turned out great, but it was just not the same. Right. You know? I think we're all feeling that there's this there's oh, the beauty my. that we learned of what we can do via Zoom and right. how because of Zoom, right? Labafana's table now can extend all over the world, all yeah. over the world. Yeah. But yeah. again, there's this always like bringing it back to what's right in front of you, yeah. you know, so I'm really just curious in these art action experiences and these mural projects that you've brought into communities. Like, what do you see? Why is that important? And how do people begin to engage with each other and their own imaginations? Like, why do we need this now more than oh, ever? Because, I mean, it's, it's such a great way to be next to somebody and non-threatening where you can, you have a purpose. And if all it is, is to add a color to the piece, mm. there's a purpose. It's very, you know, it's very simple but you're able to communicate with the people next to you and you're able to to realize that we're all the same we all have the same needs we all hurt and we all love and that is so important now especially coming out of such so much isolation 
that we can have a dialogue. And so if I'm working with an organization that is like working with teens, helping people with mental health, they can have that conversation in a kind of non-threatening way. Oh, I'm suffering from this. Oh, I am too. You know, and here are the tools. Here are people that can help us out. And oh, it's not unusual to have these these kind of things. So that I've seen that happen during these uh, interactive art pieces. And I'm also, there's so much, so many levels of things that come out of these things, not just the community getting together, small groups of five to a thousand of people at mm. a time. They're also, they're hearing a message. So mm. depends on the organization that I'm working with, they're, they're giving that message out and that's important. And just letting people know that they're not alone. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I think that the pandemic made that very clear. <laughs> I think yeah. it brought up and like really put into the front of our mind of what, you know, there are so many problems in the world, but then there's like so much that goes down to like loneliness yeah. and isolation and so many of the ills of our world, you know, when we're when we're left to this self-isolation, when really like what is going to heal us is bringing us out. You know, I wanted to know you talked about how can people like heal and grow from art and positive aspects of the imagination. And I wanted you to comment a little bit more of that. You know, what is the role of imagination for you in healing and bringing about you know greater self-awareness and, and kind of more peace in our world? Sure. Uh, you know, our imagination is a powerful tool. It can go either way. It can it could bring us down the, the rabbit hole of destruction and continue mm. to take us down there. Or we can turn it around just by imagining and being hopeful of what the possibilities are. It might not be right in front of you today, but if you if you get if you have hope, there's always a chance that things will get better. So art because it's it's such a pure way of expressing ourselves, whether it's through music or dance or visual art, it's a, it's a way to connect to that imaginative power that's out there that you can tap into. And and I have been around very imagined. Usually, the artists are the are either brilliant or they're the most suffering. Mm. You know, <laughs> they have such a great imagination. And, you know, we can take it, it's not difficult to take it into the spiral of negativity. Right. You know, that's just imagining a story in a, in a different way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We have the power to really get in there and, um, and make it very dark. And a lot of artists try to express their feelings through that darkness. You'll see dark imagery or, you know, things that are there. And it's not because they want to project that to the world. It's just that's what they're going through. And that's what they see. And that's what they imagine. So it's a challenge. But I try to encourage people to use that gift, use that talent to tap into the positive aspects of think of heaven on earth. What do you think heaven is? It's what you imagined it to be, you know, and, and I'm not versed in all scripture, but God says we don't, we can't even imagine, our minds can't even imagine what heaven is like. Well, as an artist, I, I can't even imagine that I can't even imagine what heaven is like. You're like, wait a second, that's my entire job is to imagine right, what right. it's like. So it must be phenomenal. It must be totally phenomenal. So I've seen aspects of how heart, art heals and creativity heals just from the simplest fact that people are given the opportunity to express themselves. And mm -hmm. I had a student in, in Chicago who was hit by a police car 
was immobilized, you know, is completely paraplegic type of thing. And he said that art gave him life. It, you know, gave him a reason to live mm. because it was able to express just from what little physical ability they had his thoughts. He, he was able to express, you know, how he felt. And I thought, wow, so it, it wasn't, you know, brain surgery or whatever. It was just this kid finding a tool that healed, made it help them to heal. And so I've seen it in, in so many different cases. Um, and the hardest ones are the ones that don't have a disability. <laughs> they just, you know, they, they don't, they're not vulnerable enough to put themselves out there and really express themselves. They just, oh, this, you know, it's usually guys, they're very arrogant about what their capabilities are and stuff. And they don't want to admit they want to have fun. Just like, you know, they were, they're kids inside, but they're like, I can't even draw a stick figure. And I don't want to do this. It's below me. And I'm like, just try it. And once they do, you know, it's something that's like, wow, this is not bad. So yeah, there's a lot of healing and, and creativity. And what would you say to the, the person who doesn't identify, you know, from my perspective, I think we're all artists of, you know, whether we're, it is the creation of our life, <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what are we doing and how are we creating and how are we kind of co-creating with this, this higher force, whether you call that God, you call it the universe, you know, that, awesome. that we're in this kind of co-creative relationship. And so what do you say to the person from your perspective, like who has maybe cut off from that, that aspect of their own imagination, who has kind of not seen themselves in that way? How might, what's the first step that they might take in a direction of, of opening that kind of creative pathway, that, that space of imagination to see what comes through them? Well, um, if they don't talk the God language, which yeah. makes it very easy to communicate that message, because I get it. I mean, First, I say the first five words in the beginning, God created. Okay, that's the beginning of the Bible. And that shows us that God is an artist. He's a creator. And it doesn't mean that you have, he's a sculptor, but he is. He's everything. And we're all created to be creators, <laughs> you know, and whether it is creating the best spreadsheet as an accountant <laughs> you know what i mean or building I, i've known some people who really do a number on a spreadsheet i'm like damn I'm you, i mean that's creative that you know taking any profession i don't care what it is there's an aspect of creativity in it and they're always trying to make it better whether you're you, you know you're creating a bomb you're trying to make it better you're trying to create something so the downside like i said about the imagination is you can use that creativity in negative form. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to create relationships. We are mm -hmm. trying to create friendships. We're trying to create families and, and all these things in every aspect of our life. The opposite of that is destroying, you know, dis destroying beautiful buildings <laughs> that were mm -hmm. created. If you're destroying them to create something better, that's one thing. But if you're just destroying them, like in the war and that kind of, that's, that's the opposite of the creativity. So uh, when, when it I'm seems talking, to be like a force that we have to reckon with within ourselves, right? Like yeah. we have the power to create and destroy things. And often I think if we're not in touch with that aspect of ourselves, this, that force, right? Because I've seen really just, you know, I've seen kids or 
who are utilizing incredible creativity. (laughs) And if I think about some kids like joining gangs and some of the stuff and I go, okay, if you don't judge it and you really just look at the skills they're utilizing, they're incredible organizers. They're charismatic. They're entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs, And so if you see, but the way that the energy is being channeled. And so for you, you know, I was, I was really interested in, in the way that you described the kind of the positive aspects of the imagination. So kind of what would you say is like our responsibility as creators in regards to our imagination? We have to continually go towards the positive aspect of it, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how much we see with our eyes, because there is a lot to see. You know, we are bombarded with negativity and want and and need. We have to look at it. And and I have this conversation all the time. I have it with people that are always naysaying, you know, oh, we got this, the politics, blah, blah, blah. Yes, there is that. But don't focus on it. Focus on what we can do. Focus on the solution, not the problem. Mm -hmm. So when you're creating a piece of artwork, you're there kind of exploring the possibilities. You don't know what's going to come out of it, but Mm -hmm. you are. I think the only thing that I see as a problem is not doing anything. Mm. So even if you're doing something negative, there's a lesson in there. There's something you'll learn. Either it's going to be a hard lesson. <laughs> you're like, I'll take, I'll take a few less hard lessons, okay? I'm in that chapter of life. I just want little yeah. light lessons. And that's how, that's how it works. That's how it works. If you, if you didn't learn the first time, it's going to come back. And, you, you know, you have to humble yourself. <laughs> you have to be, you know, and I, and I tell my kids, I said, there's an easy way and a hard way. And the easy way is to trust, be positive, have, you know, I say to have faith in God, trust even in yourself that there's a possibility to do better, but do something, you know, the, as artists and creatives, we can't just sit in the sidelines. We can't just say, oh, okay, I'm done. I'm putting my head in the sand and I'm not going to do anything, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's not positive all the time. There's uh, there's lows in all our lives and, yeah. and just you want to make the lows shorter, you know, so the, mm. when you're going through those valleys, they're not going to be months and months, maybe, you know, maybe a week, maybe an hour, maybe 10 minutes, <laughs> you know. If you're good, you'll say, can, oh. we, can we shorten those little <laughs> Yes. Let's try to shorten them down. And I think gratitude is is huge. You know, mm-hmm. saying thank you for you know, there's so many correlations with with biblical things, is but just being grateful for the things you have, not for what you don't have. And uh, you know, I'm constantly looking at okay, yeah, I have my I'm breathing right now. I have air in my lungs and my heart, blood in my veins, and, and I, I should be grateful just for that alone, you know, let alone getting that huge commission or paying my mortgage off. <laughs> you know, we'll, t- we'll take yeah. that too. Yeah, we'll take that too. But it starts, you know, it starts with that small piece. And that's what I would tell somebody that doesn't doesn't really get it. I would say, you know, are you grateful for there's so many that it's one time I was driving, I was just thanking God for everything I saw, the traffic light, because it helps people stop, you know, for gas in my car, because I'm still Mm -hmm. driving, you know, there's millions of things you can, you can be grateful for. And then all of a sudden your, your attitude changes and um, you have hope. And you're seeing through a, a different lens, right? Yes. Yes. But like I said, the negative part can do the same thing. Well, I got this pain in my shoulder, blah, blah, blah. And and somebody, this guy just cut me off, and, you know, 
<laughs> it's always I love um I think living in New York City is is you know I like to, I need to escape to the woods every once in a while and just like woo okay let me have my moment here but it is a good indicator of where you are because it will reveal to you your own inner state so quickly right because sure. there'll be a day where you're like I'm just maneuvering through and it's magic and then there's like ah screw you guys yeah. <laughs> yeah well that's why we're always learning you know because I don't care what kind of czar or, or guru or whatever you are you have buttons that are pushed and like I said, I think if you can realize them and go through them shorter periods, you're still going to get them. You're still going to be angry, you know, if somebody does something to you, but try like, oh, wow, I just did that. Oh, my bad. I got to, I got to, you know, I got to check myself next time that I'm not going ballistic. It's a process. And I, th- I don't think we ever get out of that until we're not here anymore. But, so, uh, you know, yeah, that's, I, I that's you shorten it comes with being in the human meat suit (laughs) yeah (laughs) i like that that's true my meat suit's getting bigger and bigger (laughs) (laughs) um i I did want to ask you know you talk about kind of like a contemplative art can you explain for people like for from your perspective what is a contemplative art practice for you and and how do we how can anyone bring a more contemplative practice to anything that they do Sure. Uh, You know, so my journey has been trying to figure out my faith and figure out who's God, what's God, what's what's the church, who's right, who's wrong, all that (laughs) stuff. And uh, I I came across his uh, Franciscan friar, Richard Rohr. Oh, uh, yeah, I love him. So the whole idea of contemplative learning and living, you know, stems, there's so many parallels in every religion. You know, there's there's something Buddhist uh, meditation and all that stuff. So in the arts, I feel we have an advantage because we are sensitive to our emotions. We're sensitive to our to our gift of creativity. So it contemplative means to me is like just being being aware of what's going on and what you're doing and taking the time to really, really, really look at things around you mm. and be part of it, be present with it. So and St. Francis talks about God is in everything, everywhere, everybody and everything. So if you really take a grasp of that concept, that everything that we look at and see and feel is God. And so, and so that's the contemplation part. And, and being an artist, I always say that if I was to dive into my painting or into my work and be part of it, I would still, <laughs> I could never be the creator of it you know i'm just part of what i created and i just that to me is just such a contemplative thought is like god is so big and so wide and universal and so i I think that mindset is looking and and listening doing more of that than talking and reacting Mm. although you can't just sit there you have to make an an action Mm. to your whatever you're believing in because then you're then you're participating (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. you're participating in in this creation boom that's happening and so i think the artists are just in such a great and i've I've talked to other artists and they get it they you know they feel it they know there's something there and it's not like in your face religious practice you know like either you do this or you're you're wrong you know this way or that way it's what they call non-dualistic so mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of in the middle of everything. 
<laughs> it's not black and it's not white. It's somewhere in the middle. And so when you look at that in art practice. And holding those tensions. Holding those tensions together. And sometimes you go towards, I mean, it's it's pretty unlikely that you would just be in the center all the time. Sometimes people bring you or, you know, opinions and stuff bring you to one side or the other. And that's why there's such a disunity in our world. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. they're all they're caught in one side or the other. And it's like, it's this way or no way. And, and I'm not going to lose my ground. It's like, why not lose your ground? Where are you going to go? What <laughs> 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 ground? ground? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, it, and it's, it's such a great kind of mindset to work in that contemplative uh, frame. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at with it. I love it. And just what was just one of your last mural projects that you could kind of just just share? Oh, my gosh. So I don't know what happened this year, but things just like the floodgates opened up. I went into the temporary space that I'm in right now that I have to leave on Monday, (laughs) which is a sad thing, but it's a great, beautiful space. But I did a project. I did um, two murals for a Catholic church in an area close to me. And they required a larger space for me to work. They were 10 foot by 10 foot paintings. So two of them. And I couldn't do it out of my garage, which I've been typically doing, especially during COVID. I I hunkered down and just try to work in a space that I had. So I got this space. And since then, I've been doing a lot of these interactive murals. So the last one was for a holiday extravaganza in in Pontiac, uh, Michigan. And this is like the seventh or eighth year that I've done that. So it's it's um interactive piece with the community. And you know, people from probably seven to seventy or eighty years old have worked on on the piece. And then I was just commissioned to do a giant menorah for a Jewish organization that this is great. So it's it's um this one is interesting because it's 27 canvases put together to form a menorah. And the pieces are going to various schools in the area where they're going to paint it and then we'll assemble it. So I've been very fortunate to to be able to work with those uh, many varieties of people and industries and stuff. Beautiful. I love chatting with you, Danny. Your positivity and your artwork shines right through you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I, you know, I I don't like to be one sided on the conversations. There's so much I want to talk about. Your work as La Bafana and during the COVID was just such an amazing thing. And to see you in action, engaging with the people on the street and you're, you are La Bafana. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I've I've gone. Oh, and I, and I think that's part of why I needed to uh, almost, uh, and I've, I've shared this in other, you know, podcasts is why I had to kind of like, at least in the process that I'm in now, like let yeah. go of the puppet because there was this like, you know, you want to search for the external hero who's going to save you. Yeah, yeah. And then you go like, oh, that was in me. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> oh, that's in me. <laughs> right. Oh. But it was um, such a great tool. I mean, it's a, you know, it, it was very, and I still have, I don't know, maybe it's my positivity outlook, but I still think there's a lot of hope for what you're doing. And I mean, look at the impact that the the Muppets had in our lives and Sesame Street. And, and you know, it's such a, such a way to engage children and adults in such a positive manner. And and it's, it's beautiful. And, and, you know, it really just in that moment, and I'm sure we'll, I'm sure I'll still kind of get into puppetry and I utilize puppetry so much now in the classroom. And 
similar to the, what you're doing, any type of art firm, right? Like your murals are giving people an, a point of encounter, right? right. So it's right. like, it's giving them what this table now is, you know, it's this third place. It's right. this, this place that's not our work. It's not our home, but we're out and we're able to engage in something, right? Whether that third thing, whether it's the third place, you know, that other thing, right, which right. allows us, I think, to bring more of ourselves, which like lets us shed <laughs> a few layers, a few masks yeah. and become yeah. a little bit more real with each other. Well, and you're discovering you're engaging with people. So it's not just you and me and, and our tools, our artwork. It's them that they're also, you know, what's happening with them and what they're doing for us. Because, you know, on the surface, it, it, it doesn't look very fun. You know, when you're working with some, like when I was working with the kids with disabilities, it's a very challenging type of thing. But then you, then if you're in it long enough, you feel, wow, I'm really, I'm really getting more out of this than, than I thought. And uh, you become such a, a higher level human being. And, and, uh, and <laughs> you know what I mean? We need a few more of those. We need we a do. higher we level human being. Well, and they're so, they're, they're so sincere and so real that they'll say whatever. They'll tell you just as it is, just like children do. Yes. You know, and that's where the wonder and the awe and, and the beauty of, of life is when there's a reality and there's a truth going on, not these fake masks that we put on and try to, to accomplish our goals through other people, you know, using yes. them. And, and so I think that was important. And I saw that with the work that you did. And this is a good, this is a transition into something better, you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see. As you said, we have no idea, right? Exactly. So like, I don't really know why I'm doing this thing. Maybe like the reason that I have is not like the grander reason, you yeah. know what I mean? And so exactly. I think that's when, when all of us can kind of get out of our own way a little bit and just yeah. like do it, just do it because that's what's coming through now. And that's what makes sense because we have no idea. Like you have no idea, you know, maybe one of those murals that you've done, those art action experience, maybe like two people met each other and yeah, that person became that person's like right, right. human being, or they like yeah. shared a moment that they would have never shared. And it, right. you know, it's like these continuous, like adding ons or just encounters, I think that sure. eventually hopefully soften us or at least show us like that we don't have our, our shit together. Well, it, it, <laughs> Not it that gave, we are humble. <laughs> it gives you it gives you hope because it, we are the blessings to other people, you know, and that those things that might have been insignificant at the time of doing it, you, like you said, it could have it could have changed somebody's life. And yeah. I've heard stories that people say, oh, yeah, I remember you did. You did save my life. Some were saying that the, the work that they were doing, they were at a place that they didn't think they can get out of and just a little ray of hope. Mm -hmm. And that, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, hopefully when we're when we're up in heaven, we'll we'll see the playback reel. <laughs> all, the, all the people that we're affected by what we're doing, but mm. and we just got to keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really loved our conversation. And before we end, you know, how do people get in touch with your work? Yeah, because, you know, 
Um, they, <laughs> hire me or talk with me, whatever you want. <laughs> Have a cappuccino. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can call, you, you can contact me through my website, danielcascardo.com. That's D A N I E L C A S C A R D O.com. Or if you Google my name, I'm sure there'll be some connection there that you can get through Facebook or Instagram, um, Twitter. And what else is LinkedIn? I think I'm involved all of those. Um, and you've got some you've got some free coloring books on your website. Is that what I? Well, and so I don't have them on my website, but through COVID, what I was doing was I did a fundraiser to to create. This is another long story, but uh, I quickly I uh, was doing a, a, a drawing a day for 100 days. And then oh. people said, oh, this is great. And they were downloading and coloring it. So I, I did a fundraiser to do a coloring book. And I ended up giving that coloring book to frontline workers, caregivers, home, you know, homebound people. And <laughs> it was such a great thing to keep Amazing. me out of, out of the slumps, you know. And uh, yeah, so I have I have some of them. If people are contact, if they contact me, I'll surely send one out to them. Um, yeah, it was a great, great project. That's gorgeous. And just like another, right? This like being tapped in our creativity is 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 a resilience building tool. And so, Gets you know, us through. thank yeah. you so much for sharing your gifts it's here well, at Hoppin' yeah. Table. And uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> All right, Dina. Thank you very okay. much. Yeah, Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.